Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, you have brought us to this time and to this place. And we pray that as your children, we would hear your word and take it to heart and learn by it. Lord, continue to teach us each and every day how to live and to walk in faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. As we examine the scriptures before us today, it's important for us to know that each and every time we approach the word, that we are approaching the truth that God lays before us and that he is constantly and continually teaching us the truth. And the truth is not always an easy thing. So many in our world want to live by what we might call relative truth, which is a truth that is applied to a situation and it changes based on the situation. Some people call it situational truth. They don't want to believe in absolute truths. They don't want to believe, for example, in the words of Jesus when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. They want to believe in a relative truth that says there are many paths to heaven and many paths to God. That is the kind of world in which we live. The Pharisees, in our gospel lesson today, we read are trying to entangle Jesus in his words. They, if you will, believe that they are on the side of truth and that Jesus somehow is teaching contrary to the truth. They want to trip him up. So they use these words. Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and that you do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances. I guess when you want to trip somebody up in their words, just start out with a little bit of flattery. It's not what they believe. If they believed that Jesus was teaching the way of truth and the way of God truthfully, then they would have been listening and they would be considered his disciples following along with him. But they have opposed him every step of the way. Their question that they ask is an insightful one. It's insightful because you see the question that they ask is a question that, that entangles Jesus not simply with the laws of God, if you will, or the teachings of God, but they're hoping it entangles him with the Romans. If they can somehow label Jesus as 
anti-Roman or against the Romans, then you see they can kind of brush dealing with him off to the Romans and let the Romans take care of him for preaching and teaching insurrection. And so what do they do? They ask him, what should we do? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus answers the question. Aware of their malice, he says, why do you put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me a coin. Whose image, whose likeness, whose inscription? Well, it's Caesar's. Then render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. And they heard it, and they marveled. And the text tells us that they left him and went away. So let's take a look at what Jesus is saying and what he's doing. First of all, what he's doing is he is he's speaking the truth in love. The words that he says to them are not, at first glance, loving words. In fact, he calls them hypocrites. But he's speaking the truth. They say one thing and do another. They purport to follow God, but really it's all about what they think and what they want to do. They're not listening to what God says. They want to live life on their own terms. And yet they want to be religious people. So what do you say? Render to Caesar's what is Caesar's, and to God was God's. Now most of the time, even we as Christians, we look at this text and we think that somehow Jesus is just talking about the taxes, the money. Oh, anybody here love paying taxes? I don't see any hands. Anybody here love tithing? Yeah. We pay the taxes because we have to. But what does it really mean to render unto God the things that are God's? We so much in our lives want to embrace the attitude of the two-year-old whose most famous quote is always, Mine! What does it mean for us as Christians to render unto God? begins with recognizing our own sin 
in the coin of repentance, of recognizing our own human nature, our own inclination to live life on our terms and to live it our way and to somehow justify our own sins and behaviors before God. To render unto Caesar, that makes perfect sense to us. We can pay the taxes, we just write the check or we have the withholding or whatever it might be. But to render unto God the things that are God's, that doesn't stop with the tithe on a Sunday morning. To render unto God means the fullness of our lives and who we are completely from head to toe with everything that God has made us to be and everything that he has entrusted to us. It means to be honest with ourselves and our own sin and to recognize that without Jesus Christ there is no hope, no redemption, no salvation. You can't buy it with the coins of this world. To render unto God the things that are God's is to begin to understand that it starts with the cross. Where Jesus loves each one of us so incredibly much that he died and gave his life for our sins. Not just the ones we confess publicly, but even the ones we hold on to privately in the darkness, so reluctant to let go. He pries them out of our hands and our fingers and says, give them to me, render unto me your whole life, body, mind spirit and live and walk in my love and know that I have called you to be mine by name through the waters of baptism and that I'm going to hold tightly on to you until I call you home to heaven whether it be a few years or a few decades I paid for your whole life. Not just your life on Sunday mornings for a couple of hours. I paid for your whole life. And so I call you to live for me, not just on Sunday mornings, for a couple hours, but for your whole life. And in doing so, to love others like I love you, to extend to others the knowledge of salvation and the words of the gospel, to remind them of the price that I paid on the cross for the sins of the whole world. It is your job, your call, to lift high the cross of Christ in word and in deed to remind people 
of my love, to call them to repentance for their sins, to pour out my forgiveness to all, to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Oh, that is easy. But to render unto God the things that are God's, to live our lives every day for him, forgetting about the things of the world that cause us anxiety and stress. And to put Christ first, that's the challenge. To speak to people of repentance and forgiveness, to remind them that they are loved by Christ, wherever they're at. with whatever they're doing, with whoever they are. To lift them up and to call them to live a life, no longer for themselves, but rather for Christ who died for them. That's what it means to render unto God the things that are God's. It means to live a life of hope, and faith, in knowing that God follows through on his promises that all who believe in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. That our hope is not found in this world, but in our Savior. That our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And to know that each one of you, that I, that all of those who are watching online at home are loved so much that he died in our place. That's the truth that we teach. It's a truth the world doesn't want to hear. But it's a truth that the world needs to hear. That salvation is found in no other name than the name of Jesus. And that his love never ends. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus into life everlasting. Amen.